0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast, part of the almighty baller radio network. I'm Tara Bowen Biggs here with Danny Meringue. Hey, Dan, the Blazers are on a 13 game winning streak. <gasps> where do we even start? <laughs> I mean,
1: just let's be honest here. I'm at the point where I am fully embracing and enjoying this. Um, I'm still I can't. You know what? I can't say fully. Because fully would mean that I, I'm, I'm let go. I'm like, uh, what's what her name, Titanic, standing on the rails with their arms out. I'm still holding yeah. on the rails, like, waiting, for, waiting to hit that iceberg, <laughs> you know. Um, there's still always going to be that, that lingering thought. I mean, the, the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, you know, that, that, that's just kind of, that, I think that, that's ruined me for life. Um, as, as far as, you know, just completely letting go in full anticipation of, of enjoying the awesome and what, what's coming ahead. But as far as this goes, this has been, this has been really fun. And, uh, the, the Blazers have done this now in a multitude of different ways. Uh, obviously Damien Lord's MVP candidacy has been the biggest part of this, but other guys are stepping up to the fold and, uh, I think that's what's making this really unique. And I think that's what makes every winning streak outside of, you know, the Warriors doing something obscene, um, really unique, because so many guys are stepping to the front.
0: I have to be honest. I did not see this coming. I mean, I was, you know, at at Summer League. um, Nobody saw this coming. Well, at Summer League, when the Blazers made it to the championship, a game at Summer League. Everybody knew it was Summer League, but everybody was also having a really good time and really enjoying it, and I also think... Was you know there were there was a high degree of confidence that somehow summer league success was going to translate to seasonal success, which we all know in our hearts isn't probably true, but you know we all also hope could be a little bit true. But anyway, well, part of that were is saying, it, is you know, the,
1: experience. You're experiencing the win, and, and even in a, at a at a lower level like the summer league, getting on a run and seeing a team kind of come together, it's 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 a microcosm of, of what we're seeing right here. You're, you're seeing guys kind of right. hitting on all cylinders. And in that, in that case, you know, there was a guy like Caleb Swanigan who came to the fore and kind of led the charge for them. Now it's obviously much different with Damian Lillard. But it's still mm-hmm. the same basic feeling because the, they're building towards something. And as we're getting closer here to the playoffs, you can kind of see that finish line approaching faster and faster in the reality of it all. starts to settle in, and the excitement builds even more. Like this, this winning streak right now, if we had it earlier in the season um, – it wouldn't mean as much with because of everything that's on the line. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think you're right when you said that how much more valuable it is now at this point in the season because of how well they're playing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, all, you know, the other thing is that I – Uh, One of the things that held me back from thinking that the Blazers were really going to have a legitimate uh, shot at home court advantage is because I was looking around the league at all these other teams who were all becoming super teams Mm -hmm. and... You know, unfairly, probably discounting, you know, not believing in my team as much as I should have thinking, well, like with Carmelo Anthony and Paul George on the Thunder and Jimmy Butler movie, you know, all of these things happening. I just thought the competition was just going to be so outrageous. I really you know, didn't have uh, the confidence that I should have, I guess, (laughs) in the team being able to come through that. Because, you know, we've talked about it before when, you know, you have continuity, how much does continuity mean when you don't have as much talent? And I think this year we're seeing what continuity actually can mean when maybe you don't have as much talent, but you've You're now starting to see the benefit of having played all this time together, knowing each other well. I mean, one of the things that I've been seeing lately that I just that makes the game more fun to watch is these like I call them like trust plays, these plays where they're passing the ball all the way across the court to an empty spot where they're trusting the guy is going to be there. And, you know, they weren't even attempting those, you know, for quite a while. And then they were attempting them, and they were just shooting right through into the stands. And now they're making those exciting shots that... I think really are a matter of knowing each other and trusting each other after having played together for so long.
1: Yeah. I want to touch on a couple of things you said there, because you're spot on. First of all, with the familiarity, there's something we talked about earlier in the season that Jason Quick noted, um, specifically with use of Nurkic and not fully understanding and comprehending the playbook, which to mm-hmm. me was inexcusable, but, um, Nurkic has definitely run into form, and I think we've seen over this this 13 game run one of the biggest factors outside of Damian Lillard has been the effectiveness not only of use of Nurkic as the scoring option, but the scoring threat and creator. Um, I talked about it tonight on Twitter uh, again last night against Detroit as well. Um, when the ball goes to the middle and Nurkic is on the roll, he's hitting guys in on the on the weak side cut and in the corners much much more frequently. And on time. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. When you're making the right read and making the right play and being in the right position and putting guys in a better position to, su- to succeed, guys like Alfred Camino and Maurice Harkless who thrive in those positions are able to be much more effective. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's been a huge part of it. And there's definitely a level of comfort and familiarity that's coming from that. Um, and that's outside of Durkic's scoring output, which has been much, much better as of late. He's had some up and down games here and there. But defensively, he's been there. Rebounding the ball, he's been there, and creating from the middle of the floor, he's been there. And I think that's been massive. The other part I want to touch on is, is about the other teams and how Portland, how we slated Portland coming into the season. I think we talked about it. You know, coming into the season, I had them pegged at sixth or seventh. Uh, I thought OKC okay, would be better than they have been. They've been the disappointment to me. But remember, a team like Utah, uh, as good as Portland has been um, over this thirteen game winning streak and post All Star turned the calendar. Utah has since January 24th had a win streak of 11 and a win streak of nine and two (laughs) losses. Right. (laughs) That's how good that, that Utah team has been. And this was Mm -hmm. a team that I figured was going to be very, very good coming the season, which is why I had them pegged down And the Clippers, even though the Portland just beat them the night, had they not made the Blake Griffin deal, I still think they would be right there in the thick of things. Now they've gotten beat up and down the lineup with, with, with uh, injuries, but I still think they would be a team that would be in there, and that would be a team that would force Portland to, to be in an in a otherwise more precarious situation than you've got the Jimmy Butler injury, uh, Boogie Cousins going down. I think that's definitely played a factor into Portland's success, but at least for me, what I'm taking from this now, as opposed to early in the season when they were dropping those games, they're winning those games, and, those, and the fact that they're winning their games that they should, that's the most mm-hmm. rewarding part of this. And I, I know we hit on this last week, but I'm going to keep hitting on it because that, to me, is the most important part of this, is when you're winning the games you're supposed to win, like they have been for 13 in a row now.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing to be up 10 points in the last two minutes and go, hey, you know, I think we have this one in hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, we I, said it I tonight like... in the Clipper game. was we uh, coming in the fourth quarter. I think it got down to four. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, Portland needs to stop screwing around. They need to figure this out because they're on a back-to-back. They're in L.A., late-night start. Uh, you didn't quite close out the Pistons the way you wanted to last night, so some guys played a little, a few more minutes. Um, you know, it's, a, again, a late-night game. It's in Los Angeles. Uh, how much sleep did they get? How comfortable are they feeling? Back-to-back games, late in the season. Your legs can get a little weary, you know, with that mm-hmm. kind of situation. And earlier in the season, that, that game could have gotten away from Portland. Instead, they went on a – Freaking fantastic run. Uh, Shabazz goes off. Aminu's cannon threes. Harkless has cannon threes. Everybody's just kind of chipping in and doing something. And lo and behold, you know they get it up to, what, 17? And
0: mm-hmm. they walk
1: away. And that's that's such a stark contrast from what they were just a few months ago. I mean, this looks mm-hmm. like a completely different team. I mean, the Blazers start the game, and the Clippers tried to hide Ted Dosich on Maurice Harkless. In the past, the Blazers would have just opted to say, yeah, screw it, and find something else. But Harkless would been playing so well, they ran straight post-ups for Harkless and said, go get yours. And it turns into Harkless kicking out to Aminu for a wide-open three because the Clippers had to help. I mean, that's the kind of uh, basketball the Blazers are playing right now where everybody's just kind of feeling themselves. And when everybody's right, like that, know- it's fun.
0: I know there was there was a lot of stuff that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to talk about just in this last Clippers game alone. But I don't want to dig to go too deep into one, any one game but let's level set like where dig. where we are right now, because uh, in case people are listening later in the week, um, it's Sunday night. And the Blazers, since we last talked, the Blazers have won four more games. They beat the Heat 116 to 99. They beat the Cavaliers with LeBron and granted without most of the rest of (laughs) the city of Cleveland. Um, (laughs) And they left left Yusuf Nurkic's body bag. (laughs) We got to talk about that in a sec. Uh, It was 113-105. And yeah, LeBron had what some people are calling one of the greatest dunks in his career, which I don't know if, I mean...
1: In-game dunks, it was up there. I don't know how to say that. In-game dunks, it was up there. It really was. Uh,
0: Yeah, I, I... so I was at that game. I'm not sure if you were at that game. But one of the things that really struck me about that game, and I talked to a lot of people afterwards about it, is so my this is the Cleveland game. My husband kept saying, are we in Cleveland? Are we in Cleveland? Because there were so many Cleveland jerseys. They weren't Cleveland jerseys.
1: They were LeBron jerseys. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't like when we played the team from the Bay Area and it's like you're in enemy territory. It was like people... We're still cheering for Portland. They just happened to really, really love LeBron. And when he did that dunk, it was the weirdest thing. The buzz after that dunk went on for like several minutes. Well, like, I mean, even Portland
1: fans. I mean, I, I, I've been no, sick. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I haven't been to a game in the past week because I've been so sick. But I, I caught that one on TV and I listened to the the, the radio broadcast a while later. And you can hear like the static from, you know, oh, yeah. just, just so- the, the arena in general because it was an absolutely monstrous. The picture that Bruce Alley took, have you seen it where LeBron's shoulder is above Nurkic's head? It's up above, yeah. <laughs> the rim's not even in the picture. I mean, that's how high yeah. LeBron got. And let's let's frame this for everybody else who doesn't know this. Let's, let's take this back a couple of years ago to a young Yusuf Nurkic who absolutely stood duffed LeBron of the apex and LeBron got on the ground and Nurkic stood over the top of him and kind of stared him down. LeBron James remembers these things, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he remembers these things and LeBron does. never forget. Oh, he is the <laughs> elephant of the NBA. He does not forget these situations. So if you think for any minute that when LeBron turned that corner and saw use of Nurkic, he wasn't thinking about it. People say they, oh, they don't think about these things during the game. Yes, they do. Oh, LeBron does. LeBron thinks about these things, folks. Because yeah. And i gotta, I got to give Nurk some credit here. I wish he would have jumped sooner. But it's not like he didn't see LeBron coming. LeBron turned right. the corner and it got two steps. And uh, Nurk got caught in yeah. between, do I, I jump definitely... straight or do I challenge? And that hesitation led to his utter demise.
0: So, I've been tough on Nurkic all year, and I, in no way, shape, or form, had any problem with him going up for that. I have to give him props for trying because, um, you know, one of the things that we've talked about him. Is you know shying away in these big moments, and he absolutely did not. He stepped in there and he took it. And it sounds like, according to reports afterwards, his team's his team gave him a lot of respect for doing that too. So, um, although national media and everybody on Twitter was were saying that Nurkic was in a body bag, I oh, do he not was. Think he, he,
1: got, just, he got memed. Did, he got He
0: didn't. But it did not. Well, he definitely got posterized or memed or whatever it's called nowadays, but he, it did not, he didn't. My point is that he did not let that get to him. He was in his own head for a couple possessions for a couple possessions. We can forgive that.
1: There was definitely a lingering effect of, of Nurkis trying to recapture his soul um, <laughs> after that dump. but you're right. He, he had a couple of ticky tack dumb plays in that game, but he did, he did come back and, and prove to be a solid defender and rebounder all night long, so that that was great. And the, the, if you're going to take any solace from this, he didn't get Mozgov'd. like he didn't be- he didn't become a verb. Like that's the only thing that didn't happen here. Is he just he he
0: you didn't get nurkitched. So. Yeah, part of it is just because Nurkic is hard to say, but <laughs> but also you know the, the, just the last point that I would make on this and about all the games that they've played recently, you know most of them in this uh, in this winning streak is that they've been fun. They haven't Absolutely. been. A, an, you know, an ugly slog. They've been, uh, they've been fun basketball to watch, you know, starting with the fun defense. And then now we've seen, we're seeing so much movement on offense. Uh, lots of good things are happening, but I, I, I want to move on to the Pistons game, which the Blazers won 187 because you promised that you would reenact for me, um, a, uh, a block or something that Zach Collins no, did. This is, is fouled. <laughs> You're talking about was, the you're talking about
1: the one on Anthony Tolliver, right?
0: Right. It was like oh have you seen God. the picture? Have you seen the picture of there's it's like a giraffe and it has like an ibex like holding onto its neck like somehow? <laughs> it's it's just this like how did he get up there so high? He did show some serious his belts. Arms and legs like like Completely. I mean, that's what happens when a python swallows a porcupine, basically. Yeah, I mean, is what you,
1: you, if you were ever looking for an opportunity to use that that little idiom, that that <laughs> was it. I, I was shocked that he got that high because his head almost cleared the rim. Like he yeah, he got up there, and it that caught me off guard. And honestly, I thought the foul was going to be a lot it worse. Tolliver
0: off guard. <laughs> yeah, Tolliver
1: was not thrilled with that foul either. Like the way Tolliver <laughs> like if Tolliver was a different kind of dude, that that could have been a problem. Um, Collins looked like when he after he fouled him, like he wanted it to be tough and like say it was a hard foul, but he also really wanted to wanted to apologize to Anthony Tolliver too. Um, yeah, it was just a really awkward play. Um, if I was gonna take anything from Collins's game that night, as far as physicality, there was one play where he caught the ball, kind of drove baseline, and bumped Andre Drummond. And Drummond kind of backed off. I think I I heard Lamar say, you know, he he gave him the shoulder and moved him out of the way. I'm not going to be that kind. I think Drummond just didn't want to take the foul in that opportunity because I don't think he thought Collins was going to finish it through contact. But it was nice to see Collins try to to be a little bit physical because really the last time I I saw Zach Collins really try to be physical with somebody was. Jameer Nelson or David West, and both those opportunities and those both those chances went strongly against Zach Collins, and to see him succeed in that vein w- was at least nice and rewarding to see. And as the, the Blazers' replay is showing right now, the, the post-up play of, of Harkless to Aminu just popped up, and that was a great way to start the game. But um, Collins has had I... some up-and-down opportunities over the, over this winning streak, he's had some good games. He's had some stinkers. Uh, the Clippers game, he was he was really bad in the first half. I mean, he was he was really bad. Um, he he kind of redeemed it in the second half by coming out and making a few plays. But we're seeing, I think, what is much more normal for a rookie: the ups and downs. Yeah, down I don't want to just lays. let
0: you get. I don't want to just let you get away with saying, "Say, oh, somebody was really bad." Like, no, he I, was in I the first think, half. In the first half, he was bad.
1: He was he, he was really bad. He was really the only bad spot for the Blazers. Bad, for bad, a rookie or bad just for bad, the situation that general. he was like, asked to do? He, he, it wasn't a good matchup for him. He was in the wrong spots at the wrong time. He he was fouling in situations where he shouldn't be fouling. Like it, it, He looked much more like he had at the beginning of the season. Um, he came back in the I second don't... half and, and redeemed a lot of that. So it, again, That kind of stuff, though, that doesn't bother me nearly as much. That's more of the rookie stuff that I'm... I'm accustomed
0: to seeing. Then the what up bothers and down. you so much? I didn't say it bothered me. I just said it was really bad. It was. You said that kind of stuff doesn't bother me that much. Well, what kind of, I'd like to know what kind of stuff does bother you that much?
1: Um, playing outside your limitations.
0: Okay. That, that's, that's the and kind of thing that really, but what are some of the things that he does? Is it when he, when he's playing outside his limitations? Cause what, I mean, I think one of the things that he's struggled with, um, more, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, especially, was he had a really hard time scoring. Um, That has come... I don't know if it's come back, because I don't know, like, what it looks like back, but he is scoring more. He's <laughs> and, taking the shots he
1: should take, threes. especially at the three-point line. And he's line. taking
0: them without hesitation. Yes. And I just... I appreciate that yep. so much. Taking the shot you're
1: supposed to take it is definitely a, a, a nice turn for him. Uh He's since... The winning streak started. He's shooting forty-four percent from three on almost two attempts a game. Um, there's obviously there's some things, there's some caveats to that as to far as the the shots that he is taking and how open they are. But they're leaving him sure. open, so take them. Like, like if yeah, he, if, if he has That's the so ability, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Exactly. And as the scouting report changes, he's going to get less and less space, and then to see how he adjusts to that. Um, like I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and beat on Zach. He's he's playing much better than he was earlier on. That's without a doubt.
0: Um, okay, I think that's that. I think I'll take that from you, Dan.
1: Yeah, no. Again, again, the same thing with with Collins that I've I've said all year. It's always been about tempering expectations. Like he had that 12 and five game, and everybody acted like he just went off for 30 and 15 like that Okay, it,
0: saying everybody acted like that I think is a bit of hyperbole. I think you um, pick and choose. I think you cherry pick on, from your Twitter feed I don't have and to from do comments people <laughs> But I can who literally pick do, I can literally
1: pick dozens and dozens upon dozens upon dozens. I get people get excited. And, and I and I truly truly like it and admire it. I I wish I could get that excited about stuff. Um but, yeah, again, I, I, I want to see the expectations tempered because those those falls back to grace or from grace um, look a little little less um, bad, so to speak, um, like with what he I'm did I'm starting the first to think that today. you're a little
0: more worried about that than you have to be. But I want to move on to talk about something that I know you're going to be excited about. We've had Myers Leonard sightings the last couple of uh, games. Yeah, and he's going to he and tell what he's had, supposed to
1: do. I mean, I want to say right. the, 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 the he, Pistons game, he had the... The, the drive and kick pass where he was looking to dunk. Oh, oh that was so uh, he cool. he was he was rising up and I thought he was gonna pack it and he, I think he got worried about landing on him and then he made an unbelievable one handed pass in the air, right in the pocket to a medium for the three. And that was and uh, I know some people were a little frustrated that he passed it up, but it was the right play. That that's what Portland I... has been doing. They've been getting the ball to the middle of the floor. And kicking it out to the guys in the corner and I was talking to my dad about this and, and he was something he really was excited about, not just from Myers, but the bigs in general, how the middle of the floor has become a weapon for Portland again because the guys on the outside and Aminu, Turner, and Harkless, Turner. Turner's been phenomenal mm-hmm. from three lately. It's unbelievable. Turner's shooting almost 40% on threes, um, almost the same amount of attempts as Zach so Collins. I'm so glad to see that. That's insane. I mean, he, him and Harkless were struggling so, so much. Harkless is shooting over 50% in almost three attempts a game since the, this winning streak. I mean, you, if you want to point to guys that, that are the, the the biggest keys to the success right now, it's the non-shooters turning into shooters and how much space the Trailblazers have off of pick and roll now. Guys aren't two, three, four, five feet off their men in the corner sagging in to help on Nurkic anymore. Nurk's got the ability to catch one-on-one in the paint and make the decision whether to, to spin move, whether to drop step, to post up, continue going to the rim, or kick it out to the corner. And the, the Blazers' offense has been humming for the last you know, 13 games now based mostly on the action that starts with Damian Lode and Yusuf Nurkic. And it's because the other guys are showing up and knocking down those shots.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's space. So at the beginning of the year, we were very concerned about there was everybody, no, there was everybody no floor being too space. crowded. Yeah, I mean, Nurkic, right. had, the, not only that,
1: the Blazers compacted the issues by straight-posting Nurkic.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you're posting him up against a static defense with a static offense where the help's already closer. Now the help's further away, and Nurkic is catching on the move, and the defense is is, is – Further out in order and in, in, in a worse position to react and make the correct play or to, or to contest, alter the shot or pass, and with those, you mean opportunities, they're
0: further out because they're guarding those guys who are going to shoot threes. Correct,
1: because they're now they're okay. worried when Maurice Harkless is shooting fifty percent from three. You got to stay like tonight with with the, he was on one tonight against the Clippers and the Clippers they didn't yeah. change their game plan. They didn't say hey Mo keep shooting. They said maybe we should play him a little bit tighter. Hmm. And maybe they yeah. should have played the odds. I, I, I don't know. But the the way that they adjusted was, hey, we need to play him tighter and leave Nurkachin one-on-one and let him do his thing.
0: So there, there's been uh, – we put out a call for some questions, and we also have uh, a listener email. So I think we should go ahead and address some of the things that people have been asking. Yeah, let's get uh, to, to the email first. Let's get into it. You want to start with the email? Okay. So we heard from Mr. Toasty Burger. I didn't, I thought that was a great name. Mr. Toasty Burger emailed us. (laughs) And here is what Mr. Toasty Burger asked What moves would Portland have to make if they want to contend in the near future? I really feel the door is closing for our chance. The time is now, but at the same time, is that realistic? What are your thoughts? So I look at this question kind of as like, It's great right now knowing how everyone looks when they're playing their best. And now that we see kind of like what the ceiling is, what's the thing that they most need to address? Because like earlier in the year, it was like when they were playing so inconsistent, it was like really hard to like, where do we even start? But now I think that you can see like possibly what people's, you know, real roles are going to be. Now, how do you address any gaps moving forward?
1: Yeah, and this is something that we've talked about uh, in the, the Blazers Edge Slack and Blazers Edge Night, the staff dinner and everything. The, the options that Portland has coming this offseason um, aren't entirely clear, and I think that perhaps that this run may shape and dictate that. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a thing in, in, in my opinion. Uh, and by that, I mean we've talked a lot about how it's not likely that the Blazers bring everybody back. Uh, it'd be one or two, maybe three at the most guys uh, of, the re, of the restricted and unrestricted free agents. And the more I think about it, the more I think that Portland's going to find a way to just bite the bullet. And I don't say that lightly because if anybody's ever heard me over time, um, people can say that Paul Allen has all this money and everything and he'll spend it no matter what. Um, no, he won't. <laughs> he, I, I have a very good authority that he won't do that. Um, but... I think that they could make a decent case that that this team, as currently constructed, is as good as it's going to get, and you're not going to be able to move anybody um, necessary to make the changes that you want to make uh, on a wholesale level. That's the Evan Turners, the Myers-Leonards, the Maurice Harklesses of the world as far as their contracts go. And Portland's just going to put themselves in a really, really crappy Luxury tax situation, and that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, while that part of it sucks, what we're seeing from this team right now is that it could, it probably has the potential to be if they if they do this for eighty percent of a season, probably a fifty-five win team. That's a damn good team. Mm-hmm. That's something you can get behind, and then you hope and pray that Damon CJ play through their contracts. And you get to the last year of all those bad deals and that you can move those bad deals to another team to add that piece and get a year, two, maybe three, of Dame CJ Nurkic on their on new deals with one more big time piece added to it, um,
0: and and really push for it then. And, and what is that big time big time piece? Is that big time piece whoever it was that we weren't they weren't able to bring back? It, no, or, it sounds it, to it's, me it's a, like it's you're free agent, kind of saying
1: a free agent or a so trade. I, I,
0: Right, I know, but like to fill what gap? Because it sounds to me like you're thinking that over the next couple of the years, the Blazers are going to continue to pretty much stand pat with this current roster. They're going to pay for it, but they're going to do it.
1: Yeah, my idea is that at the end of those contracts, is they all come up at the same time, Turner, Leonard, Harkless. Right. So, you've so got, not next year, but the year after is yeah, the final year. Yeah, you have $40 million in expiring contracts at that point. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money you can move to a team that's trying to get off another deal.
0: So if they make incremental creases if they continue to do internal development for two more years, then and you know, by then they win. fifty three games with their eyes closed, fifty-seven
1: games and be right on that then cusp. Then they add that one more player. And you're gonna get you're gonna get a year with right. with, with that guy yeah. and Damon CJ and their when Anthony
0: Davis comes.
1: Anthony Davis is a free agent, Kawhi Leonard's a free agent, Draymond Green's a free agent. You know, what, what situation are those teams going to be in? And does the idea of, of taking on a bunch of expiring contracts and hitting the reset button, does that inspire a team to, to pull the plug? You've you got to so you, be there in the right place and it. It's, it's a long shot. It's a big time gamble. Yeah. In, yeah. But but being in a position to make that move, and I don't like it because it's almost rewarding the team and the franchise for for making <laughs> bad deals. <laughs> but in the oh, position in the position that, they're currently that falls
0: in, so much into the kind of chaos that I love. <laughs> but it, I mean,
1: it, if they're in the position that they're in, there's, if you look at it realistically, there's not a lot else they can do about it. Mm-hmm. So so play the hand that you have. And hope to God that you can you can land that that you know that big kicker on the river. That that's basically what we're looking at. And that, that I think that's ultimately going the big to...
0: kicker on the river. I don't get that poker any, po- po- a reference
1: poker reference.
0: Oh okay.
1: Yeah, you, know, you, you You'll have to explain
0: that you, to me one of these you, days. You're,
1: you're waiting for that last card to come up for you, so you can hit that that royal flush, that straight flush. however oh, you want okay. to look at it. Okay. So you're you're, okay. you're you're hoping it lands for you, um, and again that you're you're playing a long game there. The odds aren't in your favor. Um, this this isn't the Hunger Games. You know may they ever be in your favor, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I think that's the, you can pull it off. I think that's the only real opportunity that the Trailblazers have right now, barring something else out completely out of left field happening. Uh, and, and, again, that's that's the in the mold of the trading CG McCollum, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I know I've, I've beat that drum for a long time, but I think we're at the, the point where that's just – unless something drastic happens, that, that's just not going to happen. Um, but the other, obviously, is that Portland gets cheap and praise the God that, that Zach Collins turns into an absolute stud and then they can fill the roster with some minimum-level guys that, you know – turn out to be something maybe Papa Giannis turns into you know the the great white Greek freak I don't know I mean at this point in time the 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 your options aren't great but I think what you've got right now is a above average product especially with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum Uh, Nurkic is turning into something
0: and did you just say this team is above average Dan? Mm Mm-hmm like, we should have, like, air horns going off because you were, like, so set in them being mediocre for such a long time. This is exciting. This I, is worth celebrating. I said this that coming into this te- into the season. This team was a sixth seed, and
1: it wasn't because they weren't a good team. It was because the teams in front of them looked better. I said that this team was a 46-and-a-half win team. Uh, You're always
0: talking about mediocrity though,
1: but it didn't look like they're going to find a way to get over that. And I, I'm I'm fully willing to admit that I was wrong as far as Damian Lillard concerned. I, I thought he had a half a gear left in him. I didn't think he would ever put himself in MVP level discussion. I figured he would, he could get to superstar and that would kind of be it. And that would just be by getting to the free throw line more, upping his field goal percentage, upping his free throw or his, his field or his three point percentage um, little bits of efficiency that kind of came together to, to, take him up into that truly elite status. But to, to find that other gear, to get into the MP MVP level, top six, top set, top seven players in the league. I didn't think he had that gear in him. And that has meant more to this team than I ever thought possible.
0: Well, and what do you think about the rest of the role players, finding out their roles and them clicking too. Did you think that that would be that 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 would really show up as much as it has this year? Uh, I think, or do you think it has?
1: No. And and here's the thing is that the NBA in general, just teams in general, role players are going to kind of come and go. Then that's why they're role players. Uh, Maurice Harkless, if he was consistent, I, I wouldn't say a word about his contract. If Maurice Harkless was giving this team, 12, 5, and 3, and being a two-way player, much like Alfred Camino's giving them 10, 7, and 3 right. night in and, and night like, out.
0: Maurice Harkless has been like the last, you know, three or four games. He's really been he's he's, really he's been, been above. On yeah, he's
1: been above anything I, that I would expect or demand from him. Like if he was a guy that was consistently giving you 12 points, five boards a night, and generating a steal and some fast break opportunities and knocking down threes at a respectable rate, he's, he's worth $10 million a year. Uh, And I've always said that. It's the same same thing I've said about Myers Leonard. If Myers Leonard was out on the floor and giving you um, 10 and 5 in 20 minutes a night and just stretching the floor from time to time, you're you're slightly overpaying him, but it's not out of this world to to say $10 million a year for a a 7-footer who can hit a 3 rebound and and play uh, interior defense is is a big-time overpay.
0: Um, think how great it would be if Zach Collins can do that on his, sometime on his rookie contract. Yeah, and that's what we've
1: talked about for years. Portland Trailblazers, they have to find a way in order to be successful, and not just with this current group, but any group, because of they aren't a free agent destination, they have got to find ways to get guys that play above their their pay scale. That's, mm-hmm. that's always, always, always been the case. The only time I think that hasn't been true is with the um, – the pre-jail Blazers ninety seven to two thousand one teams because everybody got
0: Scotty Pippen. Yeah, when
1: when everybody was basically getting paid on you know that scale time period, everybody was blowing out. The the guys that were quote unquote underpaid got traded in Jermaine O'Neal. You know, mm-hmm. um, everybody else that were, were, was commensurate with what they should be, um, but you were getting production from nine guys, so it didn't matter.
0: Let's wrap up Mr. Toasty Burger's question so we can move on to the Twitter questions that I know you I got a couple of those tonight. Yep. Um, so it sounds like to me you're saying that they are probably going to actually stand pat, at least with their major players, and they might bring on some other uh, smaller contract players. But you don't see them trying to fit in somebody in, you know, like a big superstar any at this not, point, not
1: I mean, you, they can't financially, not being not, able to not, for not, at but, least
0: for a couple of years,
1: yeah, unless unless they find a way to trade one of these guys away, they just can't. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. we, 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 we've got the
0: uh, that's the not go- a sad answer, no,
1: but we, we've got the GoFundMe that's, that's that's out there. Shout out the guys <laughs> trailblazing trying to bring LeBron to Portland. Um, so you know, there's always, there's always that opportunity. Um, yeah, he
0: could sign for like one or two years, and or he could sign for just one year in L.A., and then he could come up here. Yeah, exactly. He'll just do a tour of all 30 teams to finish out his career. As, as long as he doesn't hear while he's in his
1: early to mid-30s, I'm okay with it.
0: <laughs> Let's move on to your Twitter questions. Yeah, so before the podcast, I threw it out there and said, uh, hey, if
1: you've got questions, make sure to get them to the Blazers Edge podcast, myself, and the illustrious Bone Biggs.
0: I know and I've never been called illustrious before. It was very exciting.
1: There you go. Uh, Timmy at Dub, Dub Me Crazy PDX asks over or under 49 wins. So, what, what's your thought on that now, Tara? The Blazers are sitting at what, 44 now?
0: I, yeah, (laughs) I, I thought we were going to win. I thought they were going to win 45 this year. So it looks like I'm going to be really wrong. I think, I think 50 is in reach. I think that's a great, I think that's a great goal. I think over 49 for 50. Yeah. I think 49 is
1: a safe number right now. I think if you were, if you were looking at Vegas, I think the over under would probably be 50 and a half picking that, picking that between 50 and 51 because rocket Celtics, thunder Pelicans, Mm -hmm on the next four yeah. games. Right. Ooh,
0: boy, that's yeah.
1: that's tough. Now, the Celtics could be missing they Kyrie. They do have Memphis and
0: Dallas coming up. They
1: do, have, they do have those cupcakes in there. But And Boston could be missing Kyrie. Marcus Smart's out. Uh, Horford's been banged up. Um, I think there's a couple of uh, uh, Thies is out. So they're missing quite a few guys as well. So Portland could get lucky there. OKC, okay, you know, Portland seems to kind of have their number. The Pelicans, AD has just been on ones, and that's on the road. Um, in a it was a back-to-back the next night in Memphis. That's I mean, if you're looking for a, a quote-unquote schedule loss, that's probably one you're looking at. But I said it the other night on Blazers' Outsiders, and, and Joe and Gene kind of looked at me a little funny, like they couldn't believe I said it. But I, I, I think it's a pretty safe bet, barring... Um, something drastic, that this team hits 50. I think they're going to land on yep. 50 wins.
0: I think that would be awesome. I would be totally that, yeah, I'm, I'm super happy that I was, I thought they were going to be, I thought, again, because of the difficulty of the West, they were going to be fighting for 7th or 8th. And, so and that is, that's, I, not that, that's not a so negative happy either. to be wrong. But the, that's the thing is like, if we
1: look at it right now, let's say they finish at 50 wins, that's 3.5 wins more than I figured they would have, That which, which I had them peg as the 6th seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really not that crazy. It's just the, the way they've gone about it has been a little bit crazy. Let's put this—not not that I don't want to enjoy this, but let's put this in perspective. S- oh, you save, don't want to save it. save the strike short a little, bit. a little bit. I do, you know. I just put it in my veins. Um, save the strike shortened season. The, the the San Antonio Spurs had won fifty straight games for was it nineteen straight years, and we're excited yeah. about Portland hitting fifty once.
0: Well, especially if that means that we're sucking the power away from San Antonio, and we're yeah. going to be, and the Trailblazers are going to become the new perennial fifteen. Well, I, I, I'd be all
1: about that, and that's kind of leads me to the next next question. Dame for MVP at Dis Disc Giesler, um, is this sustainable? Is this the new normal? What do you think, Tara?
0: You know, I think. It could be, and I. The reason I think it could be is because it's taken so long to get there. And something that I've been thinking regularly, like before every game, as I watch him march out there onto the court, is I think Terry Stotts is the most patient man in the world. And we all know, you know, his coaching techniques. And we've been learning, we've been hearing more about how he's been, you know, coaching up Nurkic to step into a larger role of responsibility and take ownership of everything. I think it's sustainable because it's taken so long to get there. If I think if it had happened really quickly, I would be more worried. What do you think?
1: I think a big part of this is sustainable, and I think the, the growth is sustainable. And Nurkic turning into the guy that's more 18 and 10 than 14 and 8 mm-hmm. um, is, is a big part of that. Damian Lillard, to me, is the biggest part of this um, whole endeavor. Um, as far as sustainability goes, you still got some guys that are younger. Um, and I don't think that you have to worry about too much decline. Uh, the guys that we're, they're relying on, um, I think Al Farouk Aminu is who he is at this point in time. And mm-hmm. I think you can kind of come to expect what he's going to give you night in, night out. The I think the biggest questions are obviously the wild card guys. That's the Harklesses, the Napiers, the conitons the Collinses. Uh, Ed Davis has been a huge part of this. Obviously, we've gotten this far into this. We haven't even talked about Ed. Ed had a rough night tonight. But uh, mm-hmm. that Ed's entitled to two An of those.
0: uncharacteristically. He, rough he, night. He's
1: entitled to two of those a season. That, that's his second. Yeah, <laughs> he had one other night this season where he was kind of a non-factor. But uh, but yeah, Ed, no. Ed is Ed is allowed that, so that, that that's totally fine.
0: Just really briefly, I want to mention the two guys that have just been uh, signed for contracts, and I don't want to read too much into it. But what I'm thinking is that um, you know. Papagianis, he's seven feet. Again, he's another seven foot tall guy who's only 20. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten how young he was. Um, so I don't really know uh, how much he's really thought of as part of their future or anything. But Wade Baldwin um, is a point guard. He's 22 years old. And I'm wondering if maybe he's somebody that they want to have around for in case um, he's Shabazz. Shabazz. Leaves next year. So get him started right now. Um, get him familiar with the team and which just kind of jumpstart that at. integration. Yeah, no, the Blazers have
1: been great about, about grouping those point yeah. guards. So that, I think yeah. I, that's a good so way to go. he might be the
0: guy who got chosen yeah. for the next, great.
1: As far as great. Papa Giannis goes, he's... <laughs> He was drafted a lot higher than anybody anticipated. And Neil O'Shea in a radio interview with Dwight Nairn on uh, 620 the other day said that Papagiannis was a guy that they had targeted in the draft. And I kind of recalled that sentiment like, maybe you don't want to admit that one, Neil. Like, <laughs> like I don't know if you want to say he was one, a guy you targeted. Like, he's he's <laughs> been a... Massive, massive disappointment early on. And again, he's still very young. He, but yeah, he, he was is, only
0: 18 when he was drafted. But he was very
1: raw. Like, we're talking right. Bruno Cablaclo raw.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, he was taking number... He was uh, taken quite high. I want
1: to say it was... 12 or 13 13 yeah, yeah i think it
0: was 13 and that was in a draft that the troubleizers i don't think had a pick
1: yeah so uh it, it was again i i don't know if neil wants to champion that one too much i, I mean right so it, they, his so draft victory has been pretty good but let's uh let's let's go ahead and hold back that that, that <laughs> victory lap a little bit one on, 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 right. on that one maybe maybe not call your shot on that one neil um, but
0: again my, my going back to what I was saying about how it's taken them so long to get there which is why I'm more confident in the sustainability and also because it seems like they've really gone through a program and that program is to always be developing a backup point guard and you know this signals to me that they're still planning on carrying out that program even if they they lose one so as long as everything stays the same I think you got to keep sure uh, makes it much more likely that they'll be able to sustain it.
1: Yep. And Ty She asked the main reason for this winning streak. And I think I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here because I'm, I'm going to take the lead on this one because back in December, I heard some pretty disturbing things about how coach Stotts was viewed, um, particularly by the fan base. And it was, I don't think it was any, by any means a majority, but it was a very loud vocal minority. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, I, I, I want to call all of you out because you're crazy. Terry sauce right now is easily, easily the clubhouse leader alongside uh, D'Antoni and maybe even Nate McMillan. And for, Casey. For, and Dwayne Casey for coach of the year.
0: Right? Right. I mean, and it, and yeah. it's,
1: it, it's those four guys, and it's not even close. It's everybody. I heard somebody say Brad Stevens the other day because they lost Gordon Hayward. I'm like, you know what? They still have a pretty decent roster, and the East is not exactly the gauntlet that the West mm-hmm. is right now. But we yeah, heard we yeah. heard about how the Vulcans put out feelers about whether or not it was a roster issue or it was a coaching issue, and clearly, clearly, this is not a coaching issue. And I, I want to give Stotts his credit and his due here because he's probably going to go down outside of Ramsey as the the best coach the Blazers had in the modern era. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he is that good. Um, he tied uh, Nate McMillan. Um, for most career wins, um, last night and he passed him up tonight, um, mm-hmm. and I think outside of Damian Lillard, Coach Terry Stotts is the biggest reason why this this winning streak has been possible. Because I mean, everybody was questioning how he was tinkering and how he was using the team and how he was trying different lineups and how he was he was fooling around with different things. It was because he was trying to get the most out of his team at a time when they were really struggling. And now we're mm-hmm. seeing him do those exact same things, and nobody's questioning it because they're winning it because guys know that when they get called upon that they have a job to do and they have a responsibility, and that's all built on what Terry Stotts has done. And the relationship he has with his players, not just as a coach, but as a human being that I've heard echoed so many times by every one of these guys, um, the impassioned responses that you get from Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum and Maurice Harkless and Alfred Camino and all these guys about how much they love their coach, not just as a coach but as a human being. Cody Sherritt, who was the Blazers social media guy, made it a point to, to show how much Terry Stotts means to his team on it when, when he left the team a couple months ago as a human hmm. being. That's the kind of impact Terry Stotts has had, not only just on this team but this organization. And I think none of this is possible unless you've got a guy like Terry Stotts leading the charge. So shout out Coach Stotts
0: right you got no argument for me there i i think yeah none of the you know like i've talked about them all the role players finding their roles none of them would have i don't think found their roles the way that they have without terry stotts to help them you know become become that
1: yeah no i i don't i don't disagree one bit and i mean i've I, I'm going to sit on my my soapbox here and champion coach thoughts all I can and all I will because I truly believe that he's one of the, the the top coaches in the league. I think there's the pantheon of, of coaching right now where it's Greg Popovich and then there's that next rung where you've probably got Stevens, you've got Spolstra, you've got Kerr and I Her. think and I think Terry and Casey and Dantoni are if they're not in that group, they're right on that heels of that group and they, they, I think they're championship caliber coaches. I mean Terry Stotts has done it, Dwayne Casey has done it. They both, they did it together as assistants in Dallas. Um mm-hmm. and D'Antoni has the opportunity to prove that he's he's among that group here in the playoffs. So I'm um, just so
0: glad that in December everybody didn't throw up their hands and dismiss the coach and say let's start all over again. I'm so glad that I was they legitimately in there. scared. Like from what I was yeah, hearing in the background I was too.
1: there there was some stuff that I that I heard that that scared the living but Jesus of me. I yeah. didn't. I didn't think that that Stotts was going to make it into 2018, and I'm so stoked that he did. So, right again. I, I think outside of Damian Lillard, the biggest reason for this team's success, not just in this run but this season, can clearly be laid at the feet of Terry Stotts.
0: Nice. You got
1: any more uh, Twitter questions? Um, I got a random question from Chris Norby, and it's literally titled "Random Question." WTF? Why do right. why why do bigs always want to touch the ball after the free throw? <laughs> and then he follows that up with is just my perception or is Baz getting much less playing time in the rotation lately um, since the team's been playing better. Um, first of all, uh, it's a routine thing. And bigs just kind of – always they don't get to touch the ball very much. And so every time they get to touch the ball, they want to touch it, especially when it comes off the rim. <laughs> it's just it's, it's a rebound practice. It's, it's just a thing because as a big man – you're at the end of the block right there, and the ball always kind of falls to you. So you gotta grab it, and when the ball's there. You, you gotta grab it and touch it. It's just, that's just that's. Well,
0: you're also the tallest one, and you can reach it first. Yep,
1: and it just becomes like <laughs> it becomes second nature. Like when it's around you, you grab it, and you gotta touch it. And you gotta make sure it's still good, you know. And you gotta make sure it's still ripe. Um, as far as Baz, Baz has fallen off quite a bit, but I think tonight he showed he's still very much viable uh, and very important to this team. He struggled there for a bit, but I think we've seen more of Portland shortening the rotation with the guards a little bit more. And because the offense has been more predicated around Damian Lillard, I think he's been out there playing less off the ball with when Shabazz is out there with him. And so that, that's limited Shabazz's effectiveness a little bit. And so you're
0: saying that when when Shabazz comes in with Damien, Damien still maintains the role of point guard?
1: Yeah, he's he's still the, the primary, primary, ball handler. primary ball handler. Where earlier in the season Shabazz was, was doing that and Damien was working off the ball. And while that did increase Damien's efficiency, I think that did stifle the offense a little bit because and this isn't a shot at Shabazz, it's it's Damien Lillard. You want the ball mm-hmm. in his hand as much as possible. When you look around right. today's modern NBA, you want your best scorer, playmaker, creators with the ball in their hand as often as possible. And with when that was happening earlier in the season, um, when those minutes were staggered that way, and it wasn't for long stretches, but I I think that's that's been a not a key piece, but a, a part of why Portland has been more successful lately is because the ball has been in Damian's hand more hands more often, which has kind of neutered um, Shabazz's effectiveness. But when Shabazz has gotten on a roll, which he's done a few times in this streak. Um, you can see that he still still got it. What do you have? 8 assists tonight and one turnover. I mean, he he was phenomenal.
0: And he's coming that. in playing great defense, too. That's
1: probably the overlooked part of this, too, and I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. He's him and Harkless and Amenia have been ball hawks lately. Oh. Um Portland getting out in the fast break and generating open court opportunities has definitely led to a lot of these runs when the game gets mm-hmm. close or Portland gets behind. They earlier in the season they were not getting those points. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they are generating those opportunities
0: starting in that, that you, that game in Utah is I, I don't know exactly when Harkless started really getting so many steals, but that's when I first started to notice it, it was that game in Utah where he had like six steals in the first half or mm-hmm. something. Um, and I don't know if it's just because he's figured out that, oh, my arms are a lot longer than I thought they were. Or if he has started to, um, you know, read uh, uh, or absorb the scouting reports more and being able to anticipate where those passes are going to be. But he has been so effective in that this year. It's um, it's It's been really great to see that come out of him. And, I mean, just tonight against the Clippers, there were steals, there were blocks, there was... This, this defense thing is exciting. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: let me, let, let's frame this here. The, the Trailblazers were not only dead last in fast break points. They were historically bad in fast break points for long portions of the season. They were averaging less than five fast break points a game. I mean, that's, right. yeah. that's nuts. Okay, over this winning streak.
0: And that was because they weren't even getting fast break opportunities. No, it wasn't but, like they were getting fast breaks and then blowing them. They no. were just like not even getting the opportunities in the first place. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and now in this winning streak, they're not great. But they're they're at 10.6 fast break points, which is, I mean, when you're getting that much more production. More than double? Yeah. I mean, that that's at least respectable now. I would like mm-hmm. to see closer to 14 or 15. But, I mean, when you weren't getting any, and now you're getting some, and you're holding your opponents relatively low in those um, categories, um, then I think you're doing okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Before we totally leave the the defensive discussion, uh, I have one question I wanted to ask you, and that is uh, tonight during the broadcast, Calabro mentioned something about Aminu getting some uh, Dep- defensive player of the year recognition. Now you know that I love Aminu, um, and I love watching him, and I've been especially I've been watching him play defense. I mean, he was just. You know, following LeBron around all night during that game. And he, whoever's the best player, Aminu is on them, was on. LeBron was on
1: one that night. And LeBron was, I mean, Aminu did what he needed to do. But he, I think he, he did
0: everything he could yeah.
1: do. And I think if you want to see the, the box score reflection, you can take a look at what he did against Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin has historically been a matchup nightmare for him. And mm-hmm. halfway through into the third quarter, um, Blake Griffin looked like he didn't care anymore. I don't know if that's a part of the, of the, the fact that he's in Detroit now in the he state did. of that team.
0: He, I feel so bad for him.
1: <clears throat> but uh, Aminu was really, really effective on him. And for the first <laughs> time in a long time, Blake, Blake had bullied and beat him up. I mean, when, when Detroit beat the crap out of Portland earlier in the season, Blake, mm-hmm. Blake abused Amino, And it wasn't for lack of Aminu trying. Blake was just going. He was going hard. And Aminu just didn't have an answer for him. And, and the other night he did. And they, as far as like defensive player of the year, he'll, he'll never win it. But I think he can get some consideration. I can see Aminu getting a vote yep. or two. Um, seeing him make an all-defensive team is still probably a stretch. But I definitely think he deserves consideration, especially for what he means to this team.
0: Here's why I think it's more likely he's going to get consideration this year is because the Blazers are actually, you know, depending on which ratings you look at, you know, between like five and seven in their, in their defense. So I think because the whole team as a whole is playing so much better defense, I think it's more likely that he's going to get uh, recognition. I think if the if if he was playing a stellar defense and nobody else was, I don't think it would be the same situation. Yeah. But because the whole team is elevated, their defensive um, capabilities, I think it I think it'd be awesome if he got some votes at least. Do you, know you know what I'd some, like to see? Whatever
1: get, you know, what I'd like to see get a vote
0: besides him. Uh, Nurkic. Yep. Hey, I got it right. I yeah. got one of your rhetorical questions right. Yeah, you got it. I mean, <laughs> it,
1: but I think that lends itself to here. To, I mean, it's it's very visible. I mean, it's something that. that oh, yeah. Uh, that if you're if you're watching a game, even if you want to criticize Nurkic, and we were, we're <laughs> something we were talking about um, at the studio pre-show the other day, and we had uh, a couple of the other radio guys were in the room, a couple, a couple of the producers were in there, and we we're talking about Nurkic, and I said even on Nurkic's you know quote unquote bad nights, he still impacts the game, and just around the room kind of nodding heads, and and uh, Chris Burkhardt was one of the producers, is like people I think don't. Realize how much he's meant to this team defensively because he allows somebody like Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum to make a mistake because he alters so many shots, because he eats up so much space. Um, And the Blazers a couple years ago had a guy that was very much the same and was, it took a little while for it really to kind of come around to his effectiveness, and that was Robin Lopez. Mm. Um, Robin Lopez was the unsung hero of that defense. Granted, you had much better, consistent perimeter defenders around him with um, Wes Matthews, Wesley, Nick, yeah. Nick, Batum Nick Batum, and LaMarcus. LaMarcus got plenty of crap for it, but LaMarcus is one of the best pigs in the league and had been for a while uh, when he got switched on the perimeter. I mean, mm-hmm. outs- outside of Anthony Davis and the, the Kevin Durant types, there's very few guys in the league with his size, length, and strength who could go on the perimeter and hang with a with a guard. Um, yes. So... Nurkic himself, I think, deserves to get a lot of credit, more so than probably anywhere else. It's kind of great as I'm talking about that's This the NBC Sports Northwest highlight sizzle reel is showing Nurkic's defense, and it's just a highlight reel of blocks, particularly the one of right. uh, Giannis at the he rim on the
0: dunk. He had some great ones down yeah. down the stretch. He had some really nice ones. Well, and for also again, like I've like I've said, I've been hard on him mm-hmm. all year, but probably maybe it was maybe it was as far back as January where I noticed he stopped. He got to a point where if he wasn't doing well offensively or if things weren't going his way, he would get back and play D and if he didn't do that, he got benched. Yeah. Stotts has communicated that that quite well. (laughs) And he, he figured out if I, if I'm not, if things aren't going well for me on the offensive end and I can play good defense, I can stay I can in still the game. stay in the game.
1: And I mean let, let me uh, let, let's call yeah. out what Nurkic has done over this winning streak. So since Valentine's Day when the streak started, Nurkic is averaging almost fifteen and eleven on fifty two percent from the floor and one and a half blocks a game. I mean, for a twenty three year old kid who's been playing basketball for seven years to anchor your defense, give you fifteen and ten and almost two blocks a night, mm-hmm. that's damn good production. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, no, I that's, think that's something that I think it's really kind of glossed over because of how overwhelming Nurkic fever was last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing about Nurkic fever is like, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I will ask you, like, were you fine with that? Because you're super protect, you're acting like you're all super protective of Zach Collins from unrealistic expectations. But wasn't Nurk Fever kind of like the, the like oh, I mean, outrageously? Um, it went way, it went way <laughs> over
1: the top, and, and we talked about that. I mean, it was. So
0: is that what you are? You worried about that with uh, that kind of thing with Zach Collins? Is that what you're afraid of?
1: I, I think that's part of it. Overreacting to some of the, the, the nights, and again. And I'll, I'll use this example again. Twelve and five was was a, a nice night, but it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. And I think the reason people got wrapped up in some of the Nurkic fever stuff, and I can I can under, even understand some of it, was his nights were monster.
0: I yeah, mean, he was like twenty seven and I mean, sixteen. He, yeah, he had the
1: well, the Philadelphia game was like 16 and nine. I mean he was that if Zach Collins had one of those nights followed by like a twenty-two and fifteen night, followed by an eighteen and fifteen night, you know, in a couple weeks stretch, then I go, okay, there's something seriously brewing here. Like when you put that kind of box score production up, there's there's reason to get excited. And I still think there's reason to get excited about Zach. I think he'll be a very successful player in the league. I just I don't know if he'll ever contribute on the box score level like what you, Yusuf Nurkic is capable of doing. And, I, and mm-hmm. I think even then I tempered expectations because, again, a lot of the stuff that came out of Denver um, still bothers me a little bit. And we saw a little bit of that this year as far as um, some of the consistency stuff. But I think he's done, again, credit to Terry Stotts here. Uh, Mm -hmm. the stuff that he's been able to do and for Nurkic for kind of figuring it out and understanding that, and he said it, that it's coming from a place of love and and respect Mm -hmm. and understanding that what he's done is kind of underappreciated right now. And and I think that it would be nice. And again, I don't expect an all defense team for him, but to see him get like a vote or two would be something that would, at least internally, I think would be really cool for him and the team. That, that, that well, being you should recognized. know
0: that the Blazers Edge podcast is talking about him as a defensive player, getting defensive player of the year recognition. That could be like the title of the of the podcast, there you, is, go. you know, do Aminu and Nurkic deserve defensive player of the year recognition? you As
1: you're listening, you can you know, that, that Tara was the one that came, that came up with the headline this week.
0: It was the first time for everything. Hey, I, you know what? I'm, I'm just
1: here. I'm just here to talk and do headlines, Tara. It's your show.
0: <laughs> hey, do we have anything else that we should touch on before we call it a night? It's getting pretty late. We should probably yeah, uh, no, we we, uh, we should wrap this up. Wrap this up.
1: No, I think I think we're good there. I, I've made it through the the entire episode. I think I've only coughed once, so um, I, yeah. I'm no longer. Pounding uh, medication, the antibiotics are working. Shout out David McKay because I think he's still dying too. So, most the, the Blazers Edge staff is pretty crippled right now <laughs> with, with the flu. We never should have gotten together for Blazers Edge <laughs> night. <laughs> that, Just... was, that was the beginning of the end. That was the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I'll go ahead and hear and then to let you wrap us up. As always, you can find me on Twitter at DMerang. Same with Instagram. You can find me on Blazers Outsiders on non game nights. Uh, at 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Northwest. That's channel 737 if you have Comcast. And I can tell you that I have some cool news here. Um, next week, the I believe the Pelicans and Grizzlies games. Yes, that's Tuesday and Wednesday, so that will be it. Um, the post-game show for the Blazers games, because they are road trip games and they will fall in our time slot will be hosted by your Blazers and Outsiders, Joe Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself, Danny Morang. So uh, that's something
0: cool we're gonna be able to do here uh, in a week. That's exciting. You guys are gonna be doing the post game show, huh? Yep. Boy. You're gonna go from you're gonna go from the <laughs> Blazers just handed the keys to you guys, aren't I, they? I, I know. They, Do got, they know what's actually going <laughs> over
1: there? They, they've got us on radio. We're simulcast on radio. We're on Facebook Live uh with during the show now. They have us up here on the bridge before the show uh, on radio. So we're kind of taking over NBC. and I don't think that they know what they're getting themselves into. But yeah, so you're gonna go you're gonna go from Jordan Kent and Michael Holden's post-game wrap-up for Blazers Broadcasting right into Blazers Outsiders following the games against the pelicans and grizzlies so that'll be something fun for for us i don't know how much you guys will enjoy it but we're gonna have a blast with it
0: <laughs> well good for you guys yeah i can't get through my day without like running into like eight pictures of dan meringue uh, from all the various from it's all it's of the media blitz you know It's gotten me to start closing my computer and read books again, so. You know what? I'm
1: glad I'm here for something because I am getting really tired of, because for those that don't know or don't follow the show, um, I started on a diet a few months ago after seeing my promo photos and how absolutely horrendous I looked and I've dropped uh, 37 pounds now since the beginning of the year so I need to I need to yeah, reshoot. you to... to
0: be in a race with the blazers yeah to, they beat me uh, they see... beat me
1: they beat me yeah to, uh, they, they got to 41 wins before I got to 41 pounds it was pretty close um I think maybe you can be a race to 50 now yeah you know what maybe um I, I, I don't know if I could lose 13 pounds though and uh and what how many how many we got six games so uh, one, two, three, four, five. So I got even if they drop two, I got like three weeks, maybe, maybe maybe if I if I do a good cleanse, good cleanse, I could get there. But yeah, I think that's a, stretch. a lot of push ups.
0: Yeah, maybe like during the show, you could be doing push ups. You, you know can what? Have Joe show you some that, push ups.
1: That'll be yeah. You know what? Joe is always doing push ups during the show. I'll do that for the twenty four second shot clock. Well, I'll, I'll challenge Joe <gasps> to a push ups a, a, yes. a push ups a push-ups off.
0: That's excellent. Well, now that everybody knows everything about Dan, I will add that should anybody have any energy left to follow anybody else on Twitter, they can find me, and I am at TCBBigs on Twitter. I also am uh, the host of uh, Women's Hoops and Talks, which is a monthly meetup where a bunch of us get together and watch a Blazer game, uh, an away game. Um, It's uh, meant to elevate the voice of women, but friends and family are welcome to attend as well. And our next Women's Hoops and Talks meetup is going to be on the twenty fifth of March when the Blazers take on OKC. It's going to be really fun. We've got some fun prizes to give away, and anybody who wants to come and join us at the Broadway McMinamins is welcome.
1: Yes, make sure you show up. Uh, My girlfriend Tori will be there. She will be experiencing her first what meeting, and uh, very excited to have her. Yes, it'll it'll be a a very good time. I went to one. I think we're gonna have a good.
0: I think we're going to have a good group. And so if anybody wants to ask Dan some pointed questions face-to-face, you will be there to address them. I will, be, I
1: will them. be there sitting in the corner quietly.
0: <laughs> yeah. <Okay.
1: laughs> <As if. laughs> All right, Tara, go ahead and take us out of here.
0: All right. It's been great to talk to you. And remember, you can send us an email at BlazersEdgePod at gmail.com. Find us on uh, Apple iTunes or whatever it's called, <laughs> Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Um, subscribe, like, do all those wonderful things so that people find the Blazers Edge Podcast. It's been really fun on uh, on this winning streak. It's been great talking to you tonight, and I will see you next week. woo